0: We are in Jonah, and uh, Jonah, uh, as we've been seeing, is the rebellious prophet, uh, the reluctant prophet, some call him. And we have uh, finished chapter 1 and, and started chapter 2, and what we're going to do this morning is look a little bit back at chapter 1 and, and then the entire chapter 2, and it's only 10 verses, chapter 2, but I, I want us to look at this together because it's all tied together. It's, all, it's such a tight narrative that even though there is a transition between chapter 1 and chapter 2, you you can't appreciate chapter 2 without understanding chapter 1. And so very briefly, I'm going to review chapter 1. And then as we're looking at Jonah, I want to bring out some things that we've studied already but are necessary to understand for chapter 2. The first thing I want to say about Jonah is that Jonah, he thought it was about him. Now here we are reading this book titled Jonah, right? So, uh, of course, a little of it was about him. He was the one experiencing these things. He's the, it was to Jonah, the son of Amittai, that, that the word of the Lord came. We understand that, that Jonah plays a part in this, that he's important in that way. It was Jonah who ran from what God was telling him to do. God very clearly spoke to him what to do, and he ran the other way. But the reason he ran the other way is because Jonah thought it was about him. But you see, this book is not about him. This book is, if, if you want to make it about people, then for Jonah, it should have been about the sailors that were on the boat with him. Their safety. Their salvation. Their relationship with the one true God, which they did not have at first. It should have been about that. For Jonah, it should have been about that great city, Nineveh, that needed repenting, needed to repent. They needed repentance. In order to repent, they needed to know to repent. They needed to know truth. They needed a prophet. They needed someone to come and bring them the good news of God's forgiveness. Yet, because Jonah made it about him, it affected a lot of people. It's like Rachel's song this morning. It's easy for us to make it about us. It's easy for us to think that the only people affected by the things we're going through is us. But then we're neglecting what Scripture says. And now, we have to balance this with empathy, right? Right? We have to balance this. When we see someone going through what Jonah went through, when we're the ones going through what Jonah went through, then, of course, we should have concern, love for the person who is going through those things. And if it's ourselves, if we are the ones going through those things, uh, then, of course, we can't help but to think about that, to focus on that, for it to, to be something that we're thinking about. But we have to think about it in the, right, in the right perspective. We have to know that we can trust God, that he is good, that if he is allowing these things to happen, it is for our good. Whether it's a, a form of punishment as the storm was for Jonah, there are times in our lives when we have disobeyed and God brings these, these events, the, these occurrences into our life where chaos ensues. Where pain and hurt and suffering ensue. And God has allowed those things to happen in order to get our attention. There are times when that is true. There are times when it's not it's not even our fault. It's someone else has done something, and the the sin of others will sometimes affect us, just like our lives affect the people around us. And so in Jonah's case, here he is going through this terrible thing, the storm has come, and of course, it's affecting him, as we, if you, as you recall, he was thrown overboard. So yes, it affected him, but it was also affecting the sailors. And if Jonah, if God did not bring the storm and Jonah continued to run, Nineveh never would have had an opportunity for repentance, because the prophet who God called to Nineveh was running in the opposite direction. And so yes, this is Jonah. Yes, this is about this rebellious prophet. But it's also about the other people who are being affected. And then the main character of this is God. What we need to realize is that God knows what's best. He knows why he called Jonah to Nineveh. He knows what's going on in each individual's hearts and lives in Nineveh. He knows, as a whole, the rising and falling of that city. He, he knows its history. He knows in intricate detail everything he needs to know that Jonah doesn't know. And he knows what's going to bring him the most glory. And he knows what's going to bring others the most joy. He knows what's going to lead to the most people repenting, the most salvation. He knows these things. God knows these things. Jonah doesn't. I'm just going to ask us for the next few minutes... Can we please make sure that we're not just making sitting here in this room this morning about us? Can we please make it about God? And in making it about God, we will make it about others. Because if we are allowing him to speak truth to us and to change our lives in a way that will honor him, Then it will affect others in a positive way. Not in the way Jonah affected others by running from God, not in a way Jonah affected his life by running from God, but in a way that may result in great and miraculous things. But so often, we make our lives about us, we don't look at the people around us, we just look at ourselves. We don't look at what God's purpose is in all of it. We just look at, are we getting blessed or are we getting, in our minds, cursed? And this morning, as we look at Jonah and as we see his response to these things, as we hear his prayer, his cries to God, then I just want to encourage you not to worry about the people around you, not to even worry about what tomorrow holds but to worry about why are you here in this moment? For what purpose? What is God doing in your life? What is he trying to speak to you in order for you to live a life that is about him and about others? If we just go to Jonah chapter 2 and we just look at the prayer, then we don't get the full picture of what's going on in all of Jonah, and so I wanted to make sure that we we looked at the context of that before we look at Jonah chapter two. But uh, let's let us finish with uh, the end of chapter one. Um, if you remember, in Jonah chapter one, when when the storm came and the captain found Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat. He said, wake up, you sleeper, get up. What's going Why are you sleeping? What's going on? Cry out to your God. And, of course, they find out that Jonah is a prophet. They find out that Jonah serves the one true God, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all of this, and that they had been crying out to false gods, and they changed their tune, and they began to, to cry out to God. And they asked Jonah, what do we do? And, of course, Jonah should have repented and and we, I believe that uh, God probably would have spared him in that moment, and there would be no need for what Jonah said. But instead of repenting, Jonah said, throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. I'm the one causing this. Throw me overboard. The sailors are reluctant. They try not to. They pray again, and they say, um, God, don't let his blood be on our hands. And yet they, they go ahead and throw him over um, because, what, I mean, they're a baby Christian. Here's this prophet, this man of God, telling them what to do. And so they think this is the answer, and so they throw him over. And the storm doesn't stop immediately when he's thrown over. And the way we know this is because of Jonah's prayer in chapter 2 that we will read in just a moment. Um, But in in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, this is what we read. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, in three nights, okay. So the the sea ceased, as we will see in just a moment in chapter two. Not when Jonah was thrown into the sea because he was drowning, he was struggling, the waves were crashing down on him. Um, we read a little bit about that a couple of weeks ago, and but but the sea ceased when the fish, the great fish, swallowed up Jonah. And and let's let's look at some of the details of this verse. First of all, the Lord appointed. This fish, whether God created it in that moment or as I believe God had created it since it's coming into existence as a creature on this planet, has been growing and God has been looking ahead to this moment when this fish which he created would swallow this prophet which he created. And he knew that Jonah would choose to run. And he knew that in running, he, God would cause a storm. And he knew that the sailors who didn't know him and were coming to know him would throw Jonah overboard in order to cease the storm. And he knew all these things. And, and he is working all this together. He is the one who has purpose in everything and knows what he's doing and has a plan. And part of that plan was for this fish to swallow this prophet. And, and then it says, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, this is an idiom, English major word, uh, idiom. What, what an idiom is, is basically it's just a figure of speech, a phrase that is common to us in English, right, in our language, in another culture, in another language, an idiom would be something common to them over there, right? So one time I don't remember what country I was in, uh, but it was in it was either maybe the Dominican Republic or Guatemala, it was somewhere in Central America or, or close by it began to pour. And I said, "It's raining." anybody know? Cats and dogs. You know why you know that? Because it's an idiom. We all know it, right? It's, it's this figure of speech that we all know. And so I say, it's raining cats and dogs. And my translator looks at me and looks up, and he is, he says, what are you talking about? And I said, it's raining cats and dogs. It's raining really bad. He he had no idea. He had never heard that expression. That's an idiom. And in the Hebrew language, three days and three nights is an idiom. It, it doesn't literally mean three 24-hour days that, Equal 72 hours, if I did my math right. Anyway, it, it means, at, for example, Jesus, at one point, in, I believe Matthew 12, maybe, maybe it was 10, uh, he says that he, was in, he would be in the tomb for three days and three nights, and yet we know that he wasn't in there for 72 hours. We know he wasn't in there for three days and three nights. But it's an idiom. It's a common expression in the Hebrew language that they used back then to express at least a part of three days. And so if we look at the instance of Jesus, Jesus, we know, died at three in the afternoon and at some point before sundown was put in the tomb. He was in the tomb that the rest of that night, Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday, and at sunrise on Sunday morning, when they came, he had already risen, right? So he, he was in the tomb from almost sundown on Friday night to sunrise on Sunday morning. And so that's not 72 hours. That's not even 48 hours. That's more like 40 hours. Does that mean Jesus was wrong when he said he would be in the tomb for three days and three nights? No. It means he was using an idiom. It just like if we were to say it's raining cats and dogs, if we, were, we all knew the phrase and it was pouring down rain, Would someone be wrong in saying that it's raining cats and dogs? No, we all know what they mean. They're using an idiom. I say that to say for Jonah here, we don't know exactly how long he was in the fish. We don't know if like Jesus, it was 40 hours or if it was a full 72 hours, but we know it was at least a part of three different days. In saying that, I don't think I would want to be, I would want to be in the belly of a fish for three minutes or three seconds. Whatever's going on here. It's, this, it's a dire situation. And for however long this is, it's unpleasant. Now, there, I do not believe that God miraculously put Jonah in the belly of this fish and then gave him comfort. I do not believe that. I believe that Jonah experienced smells and pain and a, a situation that was extremely unpleasant. With us reading that verse, then we go backwards in time. Because we get to chapter 2, verse 1. We see, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying... And what he is about to say is what he, how he felt and what he was experiencing when he was thrown overboard, before he even was swallowed by the fish. And so from the belly of the fish... This is what he says, verse 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So out of his distress from the sea, right? He didn't cry out to God from the safety of the boat. He waited until he was thrown overboard. He waited until he was drowning. He was determined in his rebellion to not go to Nineveh. Until the option was go to Nineveh or die. And then he came to his senses. And sometimes it takes that for us in our lives. Sometimes we have to wait until God has brought down everything around us. Where we feel hopeless. Where we feel desperate. Where we just need God to do whatever God wants him to do. Because all of our plans have failed. And that's where Jonah was. And that's where some of ourselves have found ourselves in the past. Some of us have found ourselves in the past. I know I have. And maybe some of us right here this morning are are in that situation right now. But he called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. I thought it was the sailors who casted him. But Jonah knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God is working in all these things. He knows that God has purpose in this. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, after the flood surrounded him, after the billows crashed over him, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Even in this moment of despair, Jonah knew the goodness of God. Jonah knew that there was a chance for redemption. Verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. So he is drowning. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I don't like uh, being in tight spaces that much. It doesn't really bother me until it does. And then I, I just, oh, I don't like it, that claustrophobia kicks in. And just to think of being under the sea, of drowning, and, and and having the weeds wrapped around your head. He is in desperate, might not be strong enough of a word. He's in a bad spot. Weeds were wrapped around my head, about my head, at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. He's saying there was no hope. There was no chance. He was drowning, and he had no physical way of getting out of that situation. Now, some people believe that Jonah died in this moment. Um, I I don't know that I believe that. I, I believe that he is speaking figuratively about the sea and about the reality that he would die if God did not intervene. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There's a lot going on here. First of all, Jonah knew to whom he should cry. He cried out to God. When his life was fainting away, he remembered the Lord. As he is sitting there struggling, drowning, the weeds are entangling him, in that moment, he cries out to God. In that moment, he remembers the Lord. As his life is literally leaving him, as he is dying, as he is drowning, he remembers the Lord, and his prayer came to him. Now, how long did God wait to save him when he cried that prayer, when he prayed that prayer. It couldn't have been long. His life was leaving him, and yet God rescued him in that moment. Sometimes when we pray, answer comes immediately. Sometimes when we pray, relief comes immediately. There have been times in my life where it was shocking, where I would pray something, and within moments... An answer was given. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? Where you prayed for something, and in no time at all, there was your answer. But how long was he in the fish? Three days and three nights. Whatever that means. Did that answer come immediately? Sometimes we pray, and we cry out to God, with every ounce of sincerity and desperation that is in us, with every ounce of respect and love and self-preservation that is within us, and the relief doesn't come. And the answer is wait. I said there have been moments in my life when I have prayed And the answer came immediately. There have been many, many, many more moments in my life where I cried out to God, not knowing what to do, not knowing if I could make it one more day in my current state. And it was like I heard crickets chirping. But even my life is not just about me. Even my life is not just about what I want or what I think is best. It's about God, all of us. Whether we serve him or not, our lives will bring him glory. We will bring him glory by him seeing the change that he has made in us through his son, by seeing the transformation that we were dead and he has given us new life, by sanctifying us and making us more and more like him day by day, yes, God will get glory through that. But don't you believe that God will also get glory when he is judging and he is saying, these are the sins that you have committed and here is the payment that you will pay for these sins? Don't you think on, even on our earth and our limited understanding of what's coming, when we have a judge here on earth in a courtroom, and someone has done wrong, and the judge does the right thing and brings the right punishment, a fair punishment, don't we think, man, what a good judge. Don't we have respect for him? God will get glory because he is going to judge in the most perfect way ever. Where afterwards, all of us will know he has done the right thing. He will get glory. Our lives, are they about us? Yes, of course, they're our lives. But they're ultimately about God, and they're about the other people that we affect in our lives, and so we we need to remember that. We need to remember that even in our suffering, even when we're crying out to God, even when we can't think, when we don't think, we can take one more minute of the misery that we are in, and I don't know what our misery is, but I think I would rather go through anything I've ever gone through than to be in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. I mean, I've gone through some rough stuff. I would probably consider it for a while. But I'm pretty sure I would choose whatever I was in. Jonah was in the middle of something serious. First of all, he was drowning. He cried out. God rescued him immediately. And rescue came by the Coast Guard swooping in with the helicopter, sending a diver down to get him, pulling him up, putting him by a warm fire. No, right. If we when we're going through something, that's what we want. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're asking for. We're asking for what we think is the best solution to our problem. We're we're looking for remedy, but not God's remedy. We're looking for things to happen the way we want it to happen. No rescue came from a great humongous fish who swallowed him began to digest him. Rescue came in a way that didn't look like rescue. So yes, his prayer was answered immediately. On the flip side of that, it was to be digested by a fish. And then his next prayer from inside the fish, I have to wait. think he didn't wait until the third day to pray. From inside the fish, he prays, and the rescue is not instantaneous. The rescue is also unpleasant. Early 1900s, there was a story of a man, or several men, who were fishing off the Faulkner Islands, and one of the men was uh, swallowed by some sort of whale. They eventually killed the whale, and then they began to disassemble, disassemble the well. That's gross to think about. I mean, not for some of you fishermen in here. But anyway, at the end of the day, they're exhausted. The well is still not, you know, taken apart. And they come back the next day, and they begin to work again. And into the afternoon, and they get to the stomach, and something is moving inside the stomach. It was a human, human being. It was a guy who had been swallowed the day before. And he was unconscious, but he was alive. And it took him several weeks to recover. According to the sailors, he recovered. They said that the smell and the trauma that he went through was incredible, as you can imagine. He was basically insane for three weeks, they said. And they didn't know if he would ever be normal again. God answered Jonah's prayer, but it was the way God wanted to answer him. And it was in a harsh way. And, and yet he answered it. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, verse 7, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who, regard to, who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. You think any of the, the sailors who were crying out to their false gods, you think any of those gods were going to rescue Jonah? No. We need to remember where our hope lies. Verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish. This is after Jonah's prayer. The quote has ended. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I had a great time on vacation, and I also had a stomach virus. And I hope no one has to pull over on the side of the road east of Texarkana, because it's an unpleasant place right now because of my illness. The fish vomited him out. There's nothing pleasant about Jonah's experience. Now, he was saved. Salvation belongs to the Lord, but salvation did not come in the way that he thought it would. Let's fast forward to our Savior. God became man... And we killed him. No one saw that coming besides God. He was in a tomb for three days, and he rose again. He had told people it was going to happen, and no one saw it coming except for God. And it happened in a way that brought the most miraculous result, salvation to us. It happened in a gruesome way, and yet the result was beautiful. Here's Jonah, and I I, I hate to spoil the ending, but I think most of you already know it. But here's Jonah who could have run away. Nineveh would have been in trouble. The sailors would have been in trouble. But God brought a storm. The storm helped the sailors. The storm helped Nineveh because Jonah would not have turned around if it wasn't for that storm. Then comes the sea. The the weeds were wrapped around him. He is desperate. No one would have benefited from Jonah dying in that moment. And God rescues him. But he rescues him through the fish. No one would have benefited if Jonah died in that fish, and yet God would have still gotten glory. God would have still have been just in his punishment because God is God, and God knows what's best, and yet in this situation he he believed that what was best was to spare Jonah and Jonah gets out of that fish and he goes to Nineveh Though he, he, he told. In his prayer in chapter two, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. He's going to Nineveh, even though he still doesn't like the Ninevites, even though he still doesn't want to go. He's going. And so, my question to you this morning is this: Is what what is God doing in your life right now? What circumstances and situations? in your life that maybe you don't want them there or maybe you don't know the purpose of them but they're there do you trust God to get glory from even that tragedy if he can get glory from the death of his son on a cross the most egregious act that's ever been committed then can he not get glory from whatever we're going through no matter how dire it is or how light it is, God knows what he's doing. If he can appoint a fish to swallow a prophet, can he not appoint some sort of rescue for you? We have a responsibility, even in our pain and even in our suffering, to open our eyes and realize our lives are not just about us. It's about God. It's about glorifying him and serving him. And and in making our lives about God, our lives will inevitably become about other people because God has called all of us to love each other. God has called all of us to go and make disciples of all nations. God has called all of us to take up our cross and follow him, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. God has called all of us Who are following him to that life. But if all we do is think about, well, so and so is not doing this, or so and so is not doing that, or they did that and that caused me pain in this way, if all of us are only thinking about what other people are doing or are not doing, then how is anything ever going to change? We have to take responsibility for ourselves. We can say, throw us in the water but that's not going to change anything. We have to cry out to God. We have to look for rescue. We have to repent. We have to say salvation belongs to the Lord. We have to say what I have vowed I will give you. We have to make our lives about him. And that's where we will find hope. That's where we will find purpose. That's where even when we're suffering, we can have hope. We can have joy because we know that even In the belly of a fish, God is working all things for good. He's working all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And Jonah was called. And God was working it out for good. And we'll see the good as we continue in Jonah. And we'll see the good one day as we continue to live out our lives or in eternity we will see how God was working these things together for his good. And right now, in your moment of desperation, in your hopeless state where you don't know what the answer is and you don't know why you're experiencing this, just turn to God. Just cry out to him. And he will hear your cries. And he will answer your prayers. And it might be an immediate answer. And it might be three days three nights in the belly of a fish. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we are a lot of different people going through a lot of different things, and yet we're all here this morning. I don't know why you have us here. I don't know what is going to come from your passage, from your scripture, from the truth of the life of Jonah and what he experienced and how that affects us, but you have us here for a purpose, and you, you brought us here this morning to hear this message, to see your word, and I pray that, that you would soften our hearts and that the scripture would go into our lives and into our hearts and that it would change us. Lord, help us not to be selfish, Lord. It is just innate in us, Lord, as, as human beings, to care more about ourselves than about other people. But, Lord, you have created us to be new people for those of us who have you, who have a relationship with you. You have called us to be new men and women who love you and who love others and who put others before ourselves and count others as more significant than ourselves, as you did when you lived a life here on earth. And, and God, I just pray that in the hope of your resurrection, in the hope uh, that of the beauty that came from the tragedy that you experienced, of the hope of the beauty that came through the tragedy that Jonah experienced. Lord, I pray that you would give us hope in the in the tragedy, in, in the midst of the tragedies that we are experiencing, in the midst of the pain that we are experiencing, Lord, that we can have hope that you are working it together. And it might look chaotic and it may, might look like no rescue at all when we're swallowed by a fish or whatever the case is, but... Lord, help us to have hope in you and believe in you and know that you have a plan and that you are working it out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.